Hello and welcome to the Movie Moolah podcast. I'm your host, Ben Yenny, uh, where and this podcast is all about bringing on serious people to talk about serious topics in the film industry, but in an often kind of silly manner. Um, with me today is Naomi. Naomi, please introduce Hello. Hi, my name is Naomi Bennett. I'm CEO and founder of Lesflix. Uh, we launched in 2019 um, and over the few years we've been around, I've done in-person screenings. We've launched a streaming platform and I've more recently also started helping uh, to aggregate films onto third party platforms as well. 100% of our focus is on what I call authentic, independent, sapphic movies. So that's films with a lesbian or bisexual storyline um, curated by and for the community. I think realistically for every one film we've heard of in the mainstream with a lesbian or bisexual storyline, there are probably about another 30 to 40 independent feature films plus shorts and series. So it's a very amazing area that has a huge amount of growth and potential um and is very exciting and close to my heart yeah <laughs> i completely understand yeah no it's a uh for those of you who aren't in the community or working in film distribution um most of the time when a distributor says they work in lgbtq films they mean they work in gay male films yes. that is um not a defense of the practice, just an acknowledgement of the reality of the practice. Um, but is that something that you've found difficult or Absolutely. beneficial to that, your... Well, so that's definitely why I launched Lesflix. I was looking mm -hmm. around and there are a few LGBT platforms out there. <laughs> I would say the content for women reflects our scene. It's less than 10%. It's in the corner. It's not good quality. Most of the films that I've curated over the last few years are not available on many other platforms. Um, there are various reasons for that. Uh, it's actually, I think, it means we have a unique selling point. You know, you can doom scroll all you like through mainstream platforms looking for that 10% of content. Um, you, you can get frustrated that content is of a particular type, often feeds into um, certain stereotypes, so highly sexualized very um, male gaze, so um, not necessarily written or created for a actual lesbian, but maybe for a straight audience that maybe uh, like the thought of what a lesbian is to them, not what it is to a lesbian itself. I hope I've explained that best. Okay. Um, and even the um, independent LGBT platforms, and there are a couple of kind of more specific women, just don't have the quality content that we do. So for us, that's definitely set us apart from our competitors. And we're also really trying to create a sustainable world where we don't just work for one person, whether it's the audience, us as the platform or the filmmaker. I believe that when you set something up with a real good value set, you can find a middle ground that means all three parties benefit in a way that is more sustainable. And that's not traditional. And that's probably where I don't come from the film industry. And I believe much more in community collaboration um, and connectivity rather than money and business and fame, which is probably more on the business side of Hollywood and big film production and distribution. So I've actually spoken with uh, some distributors who work in the LGBTQ space who I won't name, but they've told me directly to my face that uh, when you're trying to get a, when you're, when you're selling a lesbian film, you're not selling it to lesbians. You're selling it to guys who want to watch lesbians make out. Is there truth to that? I mean, there can be any film has an audience and you choose where to market that film. And I would say that, yes, um, Straight men who sexualize and have this belief of lesbians in their mind are probably easier to access. Gay men also probably are easier to access. Uh, it is true that sapphic women are hard to access, but that doesn't mean they don't exist. It doesn't mean that audience isn't there. What that sadly means is those distributors aren't willing to put in the time, effort and money to reach those audiences. Um, and I've seen that in the past. I've had a name distributor I won't mention uh, when I ran an editorial and um, you know I know for example big magazines big outlets tend to access certain parts of the community and then there's a lot of grassroots women I like to think of the pyramid of like you know access and the grassroots is always the, the biggest part at the bottom and always the hardest to reach but the most reward 
And I was told, oh, well, we already advertise to lesbians in that one magazine. Now, that's kind of like saying, well, I've got this lovely new product and I'm only going to sell it in Lidl, even though I know customers are in Sainsbury's, Waitrose and, you know, US equivalents mm-hmm. of always different supermarkets um, or other countries. That's very small, short or sighted and not maximizing your audience. So kind of if you want the quick, easy wins, a cheap money, big audiences, yes. What I would say is the problem with that is that is coming from a purely a business point. Actually, how much money can I make quickly, easily and with least effort? Now, the filmmakers, that's not why they make their film. They make their film to make the most creative impact. An audience isn't thinking which film has the best, big, biggest budget, which film has the biggest celebrity. They're like, what film is going to allow me? And particularly when we talk about niche audiences so anyone in a community that is not mainstream so that could be race religion sexual orientation gender film is an escapism for everyone but even more so when economics politics religion and all these things are attacking you or your rights are not given to you from birth and had to be earned and could be stripped away seeing ourselves on the screen is fundamentally important i'm getting very serious now but it is that escapism that seeing positivity authenticity on screen and saying i can have a good life and i've seen it on that movie is so important and so that's the difference as well between those kind of mainstream we tend to have independent films made by independent creators or what i like to call oscar bait high budget made for mainstream guarantee will not have authenticity relevance often is set in the past because there's an easy way to get through with funding if it's a historical interest again wide Mm -hmm. audience so there's a real big disconnect between distribution and creativity and creation of product and delivery to the audience i very much agree which is actually part of why i you know do this sort of podcast thing but the um yeah so you touched on niche marketing there. Um, the hardest part about niche marketing is establishing yourself within that niche as a trustworthy source. Um, I'd imagine that while there's not like any real direct marketing channels to the lesbian community, or at least not in the same sense as there are for uh, the gay community or other facets of this um, but I'd imagine the only way you'd even have a shot at it is through a platform like yours because it's the underserved yeah yeah with any community you need to be in it to reach it if it's niche Mm -hmm. underrepresented or even at any way as say discriminated against Mm -hmm. and therefore that is why most distributors that are not in the community can't reach the community um and what i would say for that point is even if it's an lgbt distributor how many men, how many women, how many BAME LGBT, how many Jewish LGBT, LGBTQ people are often putting this rainbow together, right? But actually, we cross every single socioeconomic divide. We are students, elderly, working, children. We are every faith you can imagine, no faith, agnostic. We are not necessarily just women loving women. We could be bisexual, pansexual, polysexual, you know, non-binary, transgender, cis. There are so many fragments to our community. You could be a low economic class, you could be a director, or you could be an administrator. You can't hit everyone just by trying to hit everyone and so you Mm -hmm. do also have to target your marketing i guess trying to target an lgbtq person is just like trying to target a person but again it's about a segment but that segment has many sub segments and quite often that's where you say you know it's easier to access the men well yeah that's because you're choosing the segment is most visible, most accessible that's because they have the most physical spaces often men get paid more they're in more um Mm -hmm. spaces that are visible and accessible but also down to just how we're brought up women take up less space we've been from the day of birth told there's not much room for you your place is in the home you'll earn less money or if you're a lesbian at work double glass ceiling you'll be restricted all of Mm -hmm. this actually creates unconscious bias creates us to feel a fear of not enough space for us lets us create a world where we think we actually 
shouldn't be more visible. And also we have the problem of obviously on top of that misogyny, sexual attack, that means that quite often we can't put ourselves into those spaces to be more visible because it's risky. And the more um, other niche levels of intersection you have, because again, I'm not just a lesbian, I'm also a woman, I'm also neurodiverse, they are intersectionalities. The more intersectionalities you have, the more at risk you can be by putting yourself out there. And very few people are willing to do that. So it's very complex is the quick, simple answer mm -hmm. after that very elongated explanation of just why it's always going to be easier to. And I would say, actually, even that gay man, you're talking about a gay, white, middle class man mm -hmm. when they say that. They are not talking about all gay men, even no. at that point. They're talking and about actually probably straight men as well. Yeah. yeah, that's as a uh cis mostly uh heterosexual man, uh yeah, we get a lot of stuff targeted to us and it is one of those that being outside of it you don't really realize. Um but With everything I, yeah. you have lived experience, you can't really fully understand you again. Mm -hmm. Movies can help us get an insight into that world. Again, why movies are really important. Um, and why there is a place in mainstream as well, because you can get a bit of an understanding by watching a film and escaping into it, but it's never the same as mm -hmm. that lived experience because you don't have that same heart experience, that permanent connection that we see a lot um within film you know and anything when you're personally attacked for who you are in your core and the parts of you you can't change that leaves trauma and that actually has a big impact on you and that's something i think can be translated because we all probably at some point have felt unheard not appreciated overlooked and i think understanding that and knowing that that's the kind of core you're dealing with can really help to maybe with a bit of empathy and understanding yeah i mean i think part of what has enabled at least until recently a relatively rapid growth of acceptance in the u.s has been greatly of uh lgbtq issues is a lot to do with media and just the fact that there is a lot more acceptance in media and a lot more representation and i believe that that has had an overall positive effect despite the i'll just go with backlash instead of the additional qualifiers i yeah. was going to put on it um <laughs> from uh there and i also from various parts of the u.s right wing um i would also say that uh just to reiterate here um I'm not saying this is how LGBT stuff works. Neither is Naomi there or nor it should be. It's an acknowledgement of the reality of the situation and not an advocate, an advocation for uh, that remaining to be true. I think that's actually a lot of why um, both of us select a lot of the movies we select to champion. Yeah. So. And I would actually also say what the situation is today in both the LGBT community, the women's community the independent film creation community and also the distribution will all be different in seven days time and 14 days time and 21 days time and also my experience will probably be very different from that of a person in the us or person in poland or russia mm -hmm. or asia um but i think it's still important that we share those stories and we hear them but we also have an understanding that this is just one viewpoint and it's important to hear those hear them all Mm -hmm. And to understand that, again, that's part of that whole umbrella of different people. We all have different experiences. And that's what creates the world we live in and the diversity of everyone we live in. Um, and we can take parts from them and say, oh, I understand that. And that overlaps my experience. But every one of us will have very different understandings. But yeah. No, I could not agree more. Um, so... What are some of the challenges in running a niche platform for such a disparate community? Yeah, so disparate is a big problem. The lack of spaces for our community means we are very hard to reach. Um, also, we're, we're dealing with, as I said before, a lot of unconscious bias. Our, as a community, 
uh, we're very good at amplifying independent coffee shops and independent small businesses that are not LGBT. We're not so good at amplifying and supporting rainbow run organizations. And that's because of that unconscious bias that we've been told we'll earn less money, we'll be less visible, there's restrictions. And so we almost wait to see that something's successful before we get behind it. Also, the world in general does that. You know, we, we've all been trained through the media through many years to support big brands once they're big and forget about the independence coming behind them. Um, and again, I think that's something that doesn't just apply to my niche, that applies to all niches among all those socioeconomic groups. I think it's really important that people understand nothing was big overnight. These big streaming platforms, these big sports brands were not suddenly massive. They were supported from an early day and they grew. And any business you see that you like may not offer you exactly what you want right now. But if they have the values that you believe in, if they really you see the potential, if you get behind them and support them, they could become the next brand. And it doesn't have to just be big business with capitalism that doesn't work for us but it does take a movement and a conscious decision to support those businesses early on and I think that's really important right now both in the US the UK and across Europe as we're going through quite a tough economic time things mm -hmm. are getting tougher I really say if there's a small business out there that you really believe in and, and like you need to support it now because otherwise it could be gone because at the moment it's much tougher position for small business to survive for me it's also you know social media we take for granted as being a place to get out into the world but actually how many people realize they're in an echo chamber of just people within like one or two and we are actually under the control of those social media outlets they can shadow ban you they can block your account uh particularly in the lgbt community a lot of times we get blocked or banned for what they call community guidelines now, those community guidelines are set by AI, and that AI is fundamentally flawed because often it's created, again, by a middle-class white man in the US who maybe doesn't understand the language used. And so people can get banned for something that is not actually, it may be just them reaching out to their community, using language that is okay within their community, being misunderstood. And then suddenly, they're cut off from their community. Now, understanding the mental health impact that can have is huge. So... We have to be really careful about not over-relying on social media platforms because they're not actually giving us the reach they used to, which is very typical. These platforms give you lots of reach when they're new to get you sucked in and hooked. And then as they grow, they take that away because they want money from you. And then you're competing to pay budgets up against big corporates and those big streaming platforms, those big sports brands. And again, that's when we see this big divide. And again, that's not just me. It's any small independent niche business will have those same challenges so but there are also rewards and good things i'd say to go against those challenges which is you know getting direct feedback from people that they made a difference i will never forget the day a father reached out to me and he was like oh my daughter my daughter's just recently come out she's 12 and she I'm, I'm aware that I want to give her something positive to watch and I've been looking on tv and a lot of it's you know maybe not positive representation or there's a lot of you know dramatization I'm looking for something is your platform suitable now obviously I looked and was like well we've got some content that's an 18 we've got a couple of titles that are sexually explicit so I was like okay well we do but how do we, okay I was like, great give us a day I went away to my team and said guys this is what we've had and we literally turned around we created a subscription called chick flicks and we called it that because it's basically content from the platform that is only suitable for what we call 12 to 16 year olds we don't really want to advocate too much younger that's up to a parent to decide at that point but basically up to mm -hmm. 16 years of age also for allies and those new to the community who want to kind of be exposed to authentic realistic content that is safe so we stripped out all the sexualization all the horrors all the you know the negative storylines it's a smaller catalogue we went back to that father and we did it at a slightly smaller price point as well to reflect the lower catalogue and that father was so grateful um, and we hope that that will also help other newly out people young people to also not to just be exposed to that oscar bait or that sensationalized drama or that you know male gaze sexualized misogynistic style lesbian films that are very different um and it's those kind of things where you get that direct feedback and you can make a difference really quickly as well it's just amazing that's fantastic and um i mean i feel like a lot of other platforms would have just made a playlist specifically and then said yeah pay our full thing and like limit it to kids but you actually made a whole new product offering to represent 
a change in your perceived market, I guess, would be the business way of saying that. It was very lean and agile of you, and I, I am impressed as a ex-Silicon Valley guy, but it is a it was a really good move on your part. And have you been... common sense. It, yeah. Again, I wasn't a player and I hadn't thought of it, but it doesn't yeah. mean the moment someone came to me with a problem that I went, oh my God, that's something that's in our realm of the possibility to do. And mm-hmm. yes, the number of subscribers will always be less, but it doesn't mean it's less important. Most big brands try and buy us in at a young age because we're easier to convert and we stay loyal for longer. That's also because we're at an age where these things really matter because they shape who we are. And I just believe that it's just right that we should be looking after our young people as much as we're looking after our old people. And the fact that this father was willing to put that reach out there, I just wanted to give him something back and be like, yes, I can help you with that, rather than saying, no, sorry, go elsewhere, which I could have done. I could have not spent that time, but it was within my power to do it. And it's a good thing. I think it's socially you know why not if it's so simple to install why shouldn't we do it no i agree i mean as long as it was it sounds like from what i know of these platforms that would have been extremely easy to do basically especially if it's especially if your back ends vimeo ott um i can almost say exactly what. i'm not with vimeo ott actually i started there but we moved because it wasn't a good user experience okay interesting yeah um yeah Do you mind saying what you're with? Um, Because I'm just... Yeah, absolutely. Um, We're with a company called Uscreen. Um, And I found the user's experience is much better. They're very engaged with us. They're constantly making adaptations. Um, And I've had a really good experience. And I think our customers also have had a much better experience with them. Uh, They primarily started in almost like the yoga and fitness, but they do have increasingly number of film-related streaming platforms as well. They've worked quite closely with us. They've been very receptive. Um, So, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I've actually... I'm pretty sure I have a bunch of emails from them in my inbox that I might need to respond to now. But the... uh, (laughs) uh, So... Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, Do you do any other sorts of uh, community engagement? Do you have, like, merch or brand other sorts we've of recently yeah we've recently launched some merchandise we were looking to expand i was working on expanding the business with my partner um that's had to take a bit of a step back my partner left that meant obviously i was back to being a, a sole founder and sole director and that's put some strain on what we can cap- capably manage to do mm-hmm. obviously also the economic situation has changed quite significantly very quickly and that's having an impact on what we can do. Um, but yeah, we do have a merch line that we've recently launched. We can get some fun bags. Um, we've even got Converse style trainers. <laughs> I've gone a bit crazy. Flags. You know, I thought again, though, about what our community really likes. Um, very much got the rainbow theming. Because again, I know that's quite important for our, for, for our community for visibility. Um, mm-hmm. I have also done screenings in the past face to face. Because again, for me, my core going back 12, 15 years has always been community connection and so it's important no one first of all no filmmaker makes their film for the small screen firstly and secondly the community as much as they want to see these films they're also interested in connecting with each other and so putting on these screenings are an opportunity to do that so and it's a nice opportunity to get direct feedback face to face and I love that so we've collaborated a lot on different screenings um, both virtually when we've not been able to do face to face and also face to face and then Um, We're now also doing some aggregation. So we've started partnering, particularly at the moment with an AVOD channel. I talked to quite a few. We found one we like the, again, ethos of, the values of. I thought they were quite similarly matched to us. Spent a lot of time researching that. And then we're just exploring, releasing some titles to that AVOD channel um, to give people another option of how to access this content. I mean, that could also be, AVOD could be really good for you guys for uh, brand growth as well yes i would never i'll be really honest i would never advocate for a small platform to have their own avod channel Mm -hmm. and the reason i say that is the economics financials do not work if you're not the top five particularly 
AVOD is driven by economics and we're in a downward turn. Mm-hmm. All the money's being sucked into those top five platforms. But what I would say is partnering with AVE Channel, and, I, and particularly YouTube recently have changed a lot. And they now there is, I don't think many people know this, but YouTube is very much now two-tiered like Amazon became. Mm-hmm. There are your kind of creator channels like you and I can get that are really straightforward and simple when we mm-hmm. get one rate, one set of ads. And they've created these premium channels. They're harder to rip from. They get better visibility. They've changed all their algorithms. So they get better visibility on the search engines recommendations and they get served better paying ads and better rates. Now I hear people all the time go, well, I'll just put it on my own YouTube channel. And I think it's really important. Independent filmmakers know this because what you can earn and a good example is i'm seeing on my channel i get about six cents a thousand views at the moment and Mm -hmm. through this partner channel that is a premium top tier youtube rather than a standard one i am we're seeing um about 75 cents a thousand views that is a significant difference now i would say that doesn't yeah, massively. But what I would say is AVOD will only work as well while the economics are there. We are currently being driven quite well by the US being behind the UK and Europe in our economic downturn. There may come a point where AVOD becomes financially untenable for most people. That's why the likes of Disney Plus and Netflix have not just gone AVOD. It's partial, it's less. The idea is they get your data and they try and upsell you. AVOD in its own is not really financially economic mm-hmm. because those numbers are too small you know if you think about 75 cents a thousand views you've got to get millions of views to pay staff offices utilities taxes mm-hmm. licenses so for me but again i think it's really important to understand that because i think i see a lot of independent filmmakers being targeted and also small independent film festivals being targeted to launch their own fast channels avod channels and I don't think any of them realise just how much, how hard it is to market them and how little money is made. And actually, they'd be much better off partnering with a channel on an existing AVOD or Fast channel rather than trying to start their own one. That so that's my a, top tip there. That's a great tip. <laughs> and it's good to actually talk about that because not many do. Um, like, obviously, this is going out on YouTube. Um, yes. But for me this is not a primary line of business this is part community service and part just helping people become aware of gorilla rep media and my brand and all of that too because there are other ways that i actually make my money from um and i imagine (laughs) it's similar to you over at lesflex i'd imagine that even the are, are your primary uh revenue drivers from your subscriptions or is there something else too yeah our primary revenue is through our subscriptions now that's Mm -hmm. challenging in a time when economics uh, because the costs are high Mm -hmm. um so we are looking and that's why we've also looked at the aggregation because we realize also our reach is a little bit limited and you know Mm -hmm. so i think it's you have to be agile as you say agile is the word i feel like agile is the the word for 2023 and beyond Mm -hmm. the streaming industry is changing daily there are no trends we can use but also even if there are trends every single film is unique and different so we have to be agile if we're in the film industry in any way and we're not hollywood or big studios um um, and we have to share information because otherwise we're being eaten alive by big business who are well educated, well ed- um, funded and also have good lawyers. And mm-hmm. so it's very important to share these trends and changes as they're happening, because the difference is, I think, independent creators are not so connected, educated and aware and distributors and platforms are. And that's where that disconnect becomes massive. And because at the end of the day, I'd like to say that. None of these distributors or platforms would exist without the films. No, you're so right. So the balance of power is totally wrong and it could be adjusted, but it's, you know, one of these big things, it's as with everything in the world, it's a them versus us. How do we get the balance back? How do we connect all these independent creators who are disconnected and disparate? I very much liken the independent filmmaking community to a lesbian community. The same issues apply. We're disparate, disconnected, working on different budgets in different countries with different experiences. And that's why I like to see that kind of, you know, there's a lot of overlap. And so that's why it's important to listen to trends, even if they're not in your community, because there will always be something where you go, oh, my God, I experienced that too. 
what did they do? I might try that. And it may not work exactly for you, but it can at least set you in a different thought path or bring you out of your echo chamber and help you to realize there's a different way of doing something that might make something a little bit easier. No, that's totally true. Um, going back to what you were saying before about supporting, um, I believe you said rainbow run businesses it's the yeah. first time i've heard that phrase but i love it and i'm sure i'm not the only one who has a little bit of a mario kart association with that you, but, and you do i would say also you have to be very careful in june because in june every company looks like it's rainbow run because suddenly their logo is rainbow so oh, i would yeah. say me as a rainbow run organization in june i give up i'm invisible i know i'm invisible there's no point me doing anything special in june come july I can celebrate the return of our visibility. And I like to use the hashtag queer all year because June is for me, it's a month we should be celebrating, but actually a lot of big businesses make us invisible. So it's very hard for rainbow run organizations in June because you walk into your supermarket and everything's rainbow colored. You go on Twitter and every logo is rainbow colored. You go onto Instagram and every logo and every post is rainbow colored. You can't tell which actually rainbow run which ones are around all year, which ones are basically rainbow washing. So trying to access that pink pound, access that community for 30 days to look like they're doing good. And some of them, it's, you know, it's done with good intention. But I think it's important, again, that people understand that, that, you know, it's a very, it's like at Christmas, everything's suddenly Christmassy, but not everyone celebrates Christmas. And, but it becomes all about Christmas. I think it's important to be mindful that not everyone celebrates Christmas. And that come January, it's a very different world we're living in to come for December. And, you know, so again, looking at comparables to other communities, it just helps us to be a bit more empathetic that, and to look at how other communities deal with these challenges or similar challenges to see if we can learn from each other. That's very well said. Um, I had never thought about the, uh, I call it the issue with white noise. Um, yeah. I had never thought about how that would just the gigantic amount of corporate shouting about supporting LGBTQ could actually harm smaller LGBTQ brands. And that's a really interesting conundrum. I spoke to a big corporate yesterday mm -hmm. and I saw the, the mouth drop realization from them as well. Mm -hmm. I don't think most corporates understand either because certain people have told them this is what you should do to show your support. I really believe we should have an ally logo. And I think it would be great if you use that ally logo because it would allow you to differentiate between the two. And mm -hmm. I think it would actually be more powerful because it would show that the support is not just those in the community. It's also the allies and supporters of the community. Um, but again, how do you reach an entire world and population? I am in an echo chamber of certain numbers and only have so much reach as an individual. It's very hard. I don't have the platform of a politician or a company to get that word out there, but that would be my solution would be, don't put the rainbow logo up, put up the ally logo. And there is an ally logo that I think most allies don't even know exists. I believe I've seen it, but I kind of forgot it existed. So that's a- uh... <laughs> yeah. Um, to be fair, most lesbians don't know what the lesbian flag looks like, so don't worry. <laughs> fair enough. Um, but the, uh, no, that's a, I have, I'm a big ally, and I, at least I like to think I am. I had a drink named after me at a gay bar. I think that's, for a straight guy, I think yeah. that is fairly, e either the most appropriate thing I could do. Or a uh, or a very big side of respect. I'm honestly not sure where it goes, but the uh... allyship comes in different shapes and forms, and we all have different capabilities, different platforms. And I think as long as you're being kind, respectful, loving, and allowing people to live their best lives, then you're an ally. But it will look different for different people, and that is okay. I think mm -hmm. we need more compassion and understanding of that. Mm -hmm. No, the that whole makes. World. That makes total sense, but it's also, um, I was more telling that story to say that I've not been participating in Pride stuff very much the last couple of years, just because I've, I've felt like it's been disingenuous, and it's better to let queer voices be heard, but the, um, I just never thought about how, at a certain level, amplification does 
drown out the voices that we need to highlight. And that's a very, like I said before, it's an interesting conundrum. And I like your solution of the ally logo instead of the pride logo. And I feel like that's probably what I'm going to start next year because it's already very late June and I'm not going to. Yes. Kind of out of time. Yeah. It's um, the, so yeah okay now sorry i'm I'm stuck on that brain worm um the <laughs> um do you do physical media for anything you release even m o d we have once in the past because the the filmmaker requested it um I wish I could do more because I do think particularly again when you come to niche content mm-hmm. I have a massive dVD collection and I would have more because again I think there's this history that these films become available and then they vanish never mm-hmm. to be seen again they won't get repeated on tv like you know we know that we can see die hard every christmas and carol every christmas so some films are so there is a desire for it but i think again the challenges of just the financials of creating that media store in that media mm-hmm. makes it very difficult um there are obviously creative ways like print on demand but then mm-hmm. you squeeze those margins so much so i think it's something that, again, as you get bigger, with all these things, once you get bigger, it becomes easier because you have more space and you've got mm-hmm. access to better deals and you have more margin, greater margins. As a small business, it's challenging. So, no, we, we, we definitely primarily focus on digital. And also because, again, like with my screenings, I love doing my face-to-face screenings, but realistically, I can only reach so many people in a room. It's limited, whereas the one benefit of digital is that global reach that you know and also then again it also means you can access people that can't access those cinemas because they're disabled or they are not out or they've got children again all those different things we just take for granted of not being able to go to those spaces for lots of different reasons and that for me became really obvious during the pandemic and covid how many women with children would join events after the kids were asleep now they couldn't do that in real life but they can do it online how many people with disabilities were like, none of the LGBT scenes successful. Everything contains stairs and no disabled toilets. And you're like, mm-hmm. I just didn't realise. Um, and that's the one thing I would say about distribution. It's really important to look at whether outlets have subtitles and accessibility in mind. Because, again, when you come to niche communities, you're much more likely to need subtitles. But also, as people get older second English as a second language, if they have hearing issues, neurodiversity, it's not just deaf people that need subtitles no that's totally true like i whenever my parents are in town my tv has subtitles um there we go it's uh and uh sometimes those don't go off immediately because my wife likes them i i hate them because i try to watch the whole frame but yeah um it is one of those things that I think a lot of filmmakers just don't think about. And it's pretty mm. much required for all films now, though, in distribution. But I would say it's, it's like distribution. It's it's not yeah. discussed in education, yeah. in schools, in film school. It scares me still. Mm-hmm. I hear so many filmmakers who are like, oh, yeah, distribution was either an optional module that we didn't need to take or it wasn't even offered. And again, that's why I think we're in the position we're in. So many filmmakers just don't understand distribution. Yeah, no, I mean, so many, so few filmmakers even understand what truly what a producer is, much less a producer's (laughs) rep, executive producer, and distributor, and how that world gets wonky as hell real fast. Um, We're past the 20 minute mark, I can swear now. Um, The, uh, (laughs) but um, the, it's, yeah, there are so many facets of this problem that are just not addressed, and that's my big maybe I overfocus on marketing and distribution, but it's more because so many other educational sources don't focus on it at all. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, 100%. I think it's yeah. the big gap and it's what's holding the industry back. I agree. I agree. It's a um I think just a lack of producer knowledge is a big thing on it. And also there's a lack of investor knowledge too, because it's a very, very wonky industry and it's hard to create a sustainable investment class out of it given the lack of transparency and the lack of general knowledge around it. It's a, it's incredibly hard to find comps. Like I have people who I've become very close friends with who are people of means 
specifically because I could talk about how you actually monetize an independent film and talk about it accurately. I also, yeah, I like to think of the 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 tortoise and the hare. Mm-hmm. An independent movie is absolutely the tortoise, and mm-hmm. a big budget Hollywood or studio film is the hare. And the problem is, all these distributors want hares. They want quick money, quickly up front. And mm-hmm. the reality is, independent movies are tortoises. They can earn money for a lot longer. It takes a lot longer to get going to reach that audience, but actually, then it can really grow and it can go on for much longer because it's a more sustainable long term. But that's not good for investors who want their money back quick. It's not good for distributors who want to basically spend six months to nine months on a project and move on to their next one because, again, they're constantly starting that again because they want that quick, fast, easy money. They're not interested in the long game, which makes me wonder, and I question this a lot. Why on earth you give 15 year rights to a distributor who you can see never spends more than six months on a project? Because that distributor be wants, a, yeah, yeah, but there better be a good performance clause and an exit clause in that contract. No, like, um, and it never is, yeah. Well, there was with mutiny, we had honestly two uh generous exit terms at some points, but the um, but the thing is, most filmmakers don't utilize them. If you're actually, they don't know again, no awareness of these. You know, I I did a lot of consultancy over a period of time talking to filmmakers Mm -hmm. and helping them out, particularly obviously in my area. But the things I was covering was very much, you know, do you have these clauses in your contract? Do you know why they're important? You know, these are things you negotiate and really just help. Again, it's about giving people those little nuggets that can just Mm -hmm. make a more positive experience. Um, But again, they're not covered by most people and people just aren't aware of these things. See, that's also part of why you might want to, uh, I guess, shameless self-promotion here a little bit. But um, you would, this is also part of why you actually want a producer's rep or somebody on your team who actually understands this. Because I'm not a lawyer um, and you should have one who's helping negotiate this. But unless your lawyer is an L.A. person who actively works in the indie scene, there's a good chance that they're not going to have the same knowledge set and the same ability to negotiate deal terms as someone like a producer's rep or a sales agent is. That's why you need these people on your team. It's a, uh, cause like most lawyers just aren't going to know this, the average sales price for a horror movie uh, with no names to the Philippines. Like they're just not going to be able to pull that out of their behind basically. And it's not actually behind it's the, it's previous sales that they did like over the past three months so yeah. that's just the difference there. And it's why you kind of need both of these classes of people on your team. Uh, luckily, your sales agent or producer's rep should work on commission. So they will be not, you'll give up a piece of the pie, but if they're doing their job, they'll make your pie significantly bigger. I'm a big fan on payment of delivery and success. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. important. Yeah. Yeah. Um your lawyer's not going to work on commission, just no. so you know. They're, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're not, exactly. not going to happen. Um, the uh, and yeah. you you should never be upset about paying your lawyer. Some of the best money. No. Um, but the uh, but yeah, it's just it is amazing how few filmmakers understand this facet of the business, given how vital it is. Frankly, even if you're not going to go get in the down and dirty and self distribute, which is questionable wisdom of there are times it's very appropriate there are other times it's not um the you need to understand the basics of how it works you wouldn't be able to if you want people to give you money too you need to understand how you're going to get it back and the disconnect between that and filmmakers on me is always just kind of astonishing like how like oh we just want you to we got our tax incentives so now you just give us 80 percent equity no (laughs) need a little more on details for that because it may be low for movie money but it's still two million dollars so let's keep talking (laughs) sorry i might have aired my own dirty laundry a little bit there (laughs) but um (laughs) i'm pretty sure you've dealt with similar things though have people do people ask if you do original content or finance movies yeah, we do. Um, we've been asked, absolutely. We've Funnily enough, we're just working on our first project at the moment. We didn't fully finance. We basically put a call out. Um, I had a, a really good friend who was really interested in making content. We collaborated, did a call out, 
found some projects we liked, picked one and put some funding in. Um, then because of our involvement, they were able to also get Screen Australia funding. So that's currently on the festival circuit and should be coming through the pipeline shortly. That's absolutely where I want to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of challenges, that's another thing I find interesting. Netflix cancels a lesbian show and we send them chocolates and gift baskets and put a big, you know, balloon parade outside their office and a billboard in front of their window. And then I turn around and say, hey, guys, I'm a new business and I really want to support big, bigger projects and I want to make content and I want to be the home for it. And if you support us, we'll grow. And I get attacked for lying and misleading people. <laughs> and so there's the dis. The, again, I think it's that... As a community, we've seen so many failures before. There's been so many broken promises. Again, I think that trauma impacts our viewpoint. Um, but it's hard uh, because, you you know, you're like, why am I doing this sometimes when it's you get that attack and you're just like, that, I think just that understanding of actually, you know, I guess we get, we believe the message we're constantly piped, which is double glass ceiling, limited, not enough people to, you know, it's not a sustainable business. And it's sad that our community believes that. Um but yeah, I mean, I, the the potential is huge. The bigger we grow, the more money in the pot and we could absolutely make content and that budget could get bigger and bigger. And that was definitely, has always been one of my aims. Uh, Karen, who I work with, she really wants to bring back the $1 million budgets. Now that's not even a big budget for film, but when at the moment, what we see is most independent lesbian films are being made for 250,000 or lower, or mm-hmm. you have the Oscar bait, 10 million plus. The middle, when you look at the late 90s, the lesbian films everyone can name, but I'm a cheerleader, better than chocolate, bound, were all in that $1 million mark, Um, Mm -hmm. Girl Interrupted, um, yeah, Boys Don't Cry, all these films that people love. And the reality is that budget has gone. That budget is slightly gone again because of the invisibility of our community. Investors don't want to invest that money because they don't believe the community is there. We're stuck in this chicken and egg situation. Mm-hmm. If the community can't be more visible and prove that we actually pay to to watch film, no, no one will invest in it. And then when a film gets distributed badly by bad distributors uh, who don't reach the audience, it reinforces the lack of a paying audience. And again, we go around in this cycle. So there mm-hmm. is a real importance to bring content together and I launched this because of a distribution group on a lovely panel at a film festival told Mm -hmm. a filmmaker if we don't pick your film do it yourself start a twitter channel start from scratch and I was like worst advice ever filmmakers are not marketing or business people they don't have the time the money the expertise but also why start from scratch can you name one person who only watches one film a year we watch one film and we want to watch another film so actually mm-hmm. that's why we have platforms where all the films are in one place because you watch one you scroll and watch another you see one and alongside it you recommended others and that for me was a real nucleus of why i launched because i was like this has to be a better option mm-hmm. put all the films in one place and make it easier for the audience to find it but in a way that is fair for the, you know, the filmmakers actually get paid for their film. And I'm really proud to say that we've always paid well to our filmmakers. And some mm-hmm. of our filmmakers have started making more content because they've used that money we've paid them. And they've only done little projects. But again, it means they've been able to generate more revenue and stay creating rather than having to go out of the industry and get a different job to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. We see already, even though we're small and new, we've already made that ripple. But that ripple only becomes a wave with more support and as we grow. And I would say that's challenging right now with the economic and financial and political landscape that we're in. But there's absolutely a massive audience, say a minimum of 11 million women over 16 worldwide who don't identify as heterosexual. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty good number when you think about it, but... The thing is, how do you reach them? Where are they? We we have people viewing from some very interesting countries that I would not have expected. Um, I think there's more people out there than we expect and understand. Yeah, there are a lot of... One of the things that really took me back uh, by surprise on international sales is... Um, I'm working on a movie called Tim Travers right now. Uh, it has a... I guess bisexual male subplot um but honestly the whole premise of the movie is that the smartest man in the world goes back in time and uh creates a time machine to go back in time by exactly one minute so he can kill himself and see what happens um that's the time traveler's paradox it's a it's actually a comedy 
I'm not pitching <laughs> it like one, but it's it's quite funny. Um, the anyway, um, the subplot is basically he after a while nothing happens, so he starts talking to himself and then eventually falls in love with himself because he is that much of a narcissist. That's the gay male. <laughs> I'm honestly still not sure whether that is gay male or masturbation. It's it's there's an open question. But um that's a long weeds conversation that I've actually had with Myers multiple times. But anyway, one of the biggest things that kept coming up was just you'd see anything on that trailer and they would say oh is this gay we don't want to no no gay for us on that it's a uh, one actually said no homo and i'm like i don't think that's how that's supposed to be used but um yeah. it is just astonishing to me how many territories have zero acceptance in terms of anything broadcast or tvod which kind of to me makes sense because i'll i'll make a bold statement in that homosexuality is normal and part of the human condition sometimes so it is a i wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the spikes you're seeing are more from places where you have to keep that stuff under wraps because it's still there yeah but yeah it's um yeah anyway sorry that was a strange tangent but it happens see this is why it's called the movie moolah podcast sometimes silly conversations um <laughs> the all right so i think we should probably move to the three questions that yes. i okay. ask all of my guests to close out um okay. i'm going to Yes. The uh, So the way this works is I'm going to ask you the first one, but you can answer it second if you like, because the first one okay. sometimes means needs a little thought. Um, so the first one is, what are your top three favorite movies of all time as it stands right this second now? They can change in five minutes. So just vibes totally there. Then the second yeah, that's like the, after the parent who their favorite children are, right? <laughs> I know it is. It's it's that's why I love it. It's great. Um it's <laughs> always question. Um, about to destroy seven of my children's lives. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so then the other question is if you could go back and tell your younger self one thing what would it be oh i like that one i think it would be keep doing what you're doing because actually mm -hmm. this is a good tip for anyone as well i mm -hmm. studied media studies when i was 18 i'm going to age myself here as well um and then i someone told me the film and media industry is all a freelance and it's not a very good thing for like you know having money and, and so if you're not wealthy already it's really not a good career and i went oh shit apologies for the language so I then went and studied an admin course and went into admin. And I spent a good 20 years in the corporate world doing admin, uh, office manager, legal assistant, executive assistant. But I learned most of the skills that I'm using now with Lesvix and with my consultancy are through that 20 years in the corporate world. And what allowed me to launch Lesvix was that time. The mm -hmm. skills I like, soft skills around business, talking to to leaders, um, understanding how business works. And so I would just say, do what you did. I, I'm a big believer that where we are today is based on where we've been. We shouldn't regret where we've been in our life because they've all been our lessons. Mm -hmm. And we learn in every day we're a better version of ourselves than we were yesterday. Hopefully we take what we learn and we become a better person, hopefully, if we're good members of society. So I would just say, keep doing what you're doing, because actually I think, any change that I would have made would have changed where I was today. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that I've done anything wrong. I'm proud to say that I've got good values, good ethos. I deliver what I promise. Um, I would say I've had people take advantage of me. I've had people lie about me. I've had people try and copy what I'm doing, you know, all sorts. But that's because what I'm doing is good. And they're either don't like that I'm more successful or they want to copy what I'm doing or they think that I'm making tons of money because it looks good. I don't know. There's lots of reasons for that. But mm -hmm. that's the same with anyone. So my advice to my younger self is be you and to anyone. As long as you're happy 
be you. That's very good advice. Um, all right, question now three. to kill seven of your children. Oh no, it's cross question three. I was trying to move on. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely slid into question three then, yeah? Yeah, no, no, no. No, no, no. We're going to make you do it because it's fun. Um, the I actually haven't done it yet because uh, I'm the one asking the question. Um, but I will. Nobody's asked me. Um, but to give you more time and to make this fair, I will give you my top three as it stands right this second now. It'll probably change by the next episode. Um, but I would say... Gattaca, um, How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm gonna go with, probably just because I just watched it, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. First time it's I ever should, been on that list. I should also add, the other problem I have is I have a really bad memory. Mm-hmm. So a good example, I went to BFI Flair and I'd, we were watching the fills and it was the mm-hmm. festival closing and we sat down, had the intro and I was like, yeah, I've been looking forward to this for so long. It's in the picture in the program, it's in the description. I was like, yay, yay, exciting. It was the last scene of the film before I realised I'd seen the film before. Mm. It's a very good skill for being able to enjoy films and watch them over. It does make it hard True. for things like what are your favourite films because I, and also if I've been watching a lot of films, a particular reason for curation or stuff, mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, I have to make notes as I go because otherwise I'm like, I don't remember three films ago. I watched two more and those ones have been wiped. Um, but that, I, I wish I had that the, skill. The bad fantastic. ones are in my brain forever. I would say, so I'm going to slightly tweak it. So I watched, went to the cinema yesterday because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, it's too frigging hot in the UK. We don't have air con. <laughs> the cinema has air con. So I went to the cinema yesterday and I watched uh, The Flash. Mm-hmm. I was quite confused at a few points and I can see why it maybe is bombing because I was a few times I was like, what's going on? Why? What? Well, you know, Greatest Days surprised me. Mm-hmm. The Take That movie um i feel like they stole my life as a girl when i was younger pretending to like take that because every other girl around me was not understanding why Mm -hmm. i was pretending i now know why that is anyway the time i called before i knew better i liked take that because everyone else did and i rolled up my skirt in school and girls hung out in groups and it was so triggering and then like hopefully no spoilers for anyone but for anyone who is interested in queer representation Greatest Days does actually have a queer character in it. And I wasn't expecting it. And it was really refreshing, but I was like, I've just stolen my life. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> apart from I didn't go into fashion. But anyway. Um, and the only thing I do like as well is they took the Lulu part of the Take That song and gave it to a drag queen, which was freaking epic. So I would say at the moment that's memorable. Um, and I enjoyed that for that reason. Um I really, really love so many films. I think in terms of films on my platform, Aesop and Forever Not Maybe are my top two at the moment on the platform. Mm-hmm. Aesop, because I love the fact it goes through different time. It's quite, it's an, a sci-fi with a bit of believability. It's beautiful. Um, and I think it's just very well made on a low budget and it's just not been seen by enough people. So I like to amplify mm-hmm. it. And same for Forever Not Maybe. Forever Not Maybe for me, is a really positive story because it talks about two women who have very strong careers that they are focused on building and growing and they're successful in their careers but they meet each other and they have that challenge of do we put the relationship first or the career first and it just feels very authentic very real and a challenge that does come up in also in heterosexual lives how do you do that how do you balance that when also you live in different countries and your job means you travel you know these are things that actually do come up in a lot of people's lives so um and it was just done with again really low budget but really well done a first feature i think both of them were first features actually and just really i think something to be seen in terms of a mainstream release and the film that, if anyone really pushes me to say my favourite film of all time ever, that I will say is always Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. If you have not seen this film, 
you have to see this film. It's based on a true story. Professor Marston was a Harvard professor. Him and his wife um, taught together because she was a teaching assistant because obviously Harvard women in the, I think it was maybe 20s or 30s, I probably got the year wrong, maybe a bit later, women couldn't be Harvard professors, even though she was the more intelligent, clever one. Uh, They had a polyamorous relationship with another person. This is true story. Also, Professor Marston is the creator of the Wonder Women comics. Wonder Woman is the creation of his wife and their polyamorous female lover. It's a combination of these two women. Heads up, balloon klaxon moment here. Wonder Woman is based on real women. If that is not a really positive, empowering female story that has been lost in time, I don't know what is. And Professor Marston died early. The women ended up living together and raising their children together. It's like awesome. The film was sadly, it was Angela Brown, the creator of Debs as well. So top tier, great director. Um, It was released. It came out too early. It came out before the Wonder Women Marvel movies, which were oh, DC. Or I just... Anyway, DC came out before those. So I feel like if it had been released between the two DC movies, it would have gone epic. It was ahead of its time, but it was on Netflix. It's not anymore. I don't know where it is. It's hard to find, but I implore everyone. I've got it on DVD and hands down because it's based on a true story. I'm a big believer. Women can be much more than they're told they can be in life. And in all of us, there is a wonder woman, a potential Mm -hmm. cut to come out. And I like to train, educate and empower women. And that film for me is the epitome of that. So, yeah. So that was (laughs) a great answer. That was wonderful. (laughs) And I, I only now realize how I put you in that situation as somebody who runs a platform. I was kind of thinking the platform, (laughs) the One's not on your platform, but that makes sense. Um, I've given you a bit of a mention. I've given you some cinema. Yeah. Oh my, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I could go on for weeks, days, months. Oh, years. we all could. It's a yeah. Um, so then the last question. Um, and yes. before I ask it, I want to remind everybody that it is, especially now in trying economic times, very, very, very important to support small business owners. Um, where can people find you? Okay, on the website, lesflix.com is where you can get directly to the platform where you get the best offers. You can use a bit.ly link on all of our social, which will give you your second month free. And -hmm. if you input the coupon code SAFFICUTOPIA, you get a 25% lifetime discount. But we are also available on Roku, Apple, Fire Stick, Apple, Google Play. And what I would say is go to the website, get your best deal possible from the website. Then you can go to your apps and just log in and you can still get the glorious... Mm -hmm on your screen great usability but we're across most of the kind of typical platforms where you see all the apps and things you can download your phone watch offline pull it and watch while you're scrolling through facebook we've got all the great latest features um most of our titles are subtitled some aren't but again if you reach out to us and say this title isn't could you we will prioritize it based on interest because a lot of films come to us without subtitles but Mm -hmm. we do work hard um and we try and subtitle translate as well where we can at the moment we have someone doing latin american spanish as a priority Um, but again we do it based on both skills available and demand from our customers we do really listen to our customers and you know um so yeah hopefully that answers the question and we're on all socials under at lesflix cool um, everywhere in the world and where can people sign up for chick flicks if they want to uh it's also on lesflix.com it's just when you go to subscribe it's a different subscription option so we have our standard subscription is 8.99 full price obviously get you some 25 discount we installed that because actually fun fact about 30% of our subscribers are men. I get lots of DMs from either men saying, I didn't sign up for this. Yes, you did. Or it's not what I expected it was. Yes, it's not a porn site or, you know, what you're expecting from <laughs> lesbian sites. Um, but thank you for your money and goodbye. Um, so that's why we had to remove our free trial and instead replace this lifetime discount because, you know, all we, you know, so... <laughs> Fun fact, I love getting those DMs. It's like, you made a mistake. Just hit unsubscribe. We thank you for your support for month one. A lot of them do stay there as well. And I would say, you know, and that's okay. I don't mind who subscribes. Uh, We have had to turn comments off on the platform, though, because, again, unfortunately, these spaces are not safe spaces. 
when we have such a world we have in so you can't leave comments on films directly unfortunately that's the one downside around safety and safeguarding but chick flicks is part part embedded within the platform it's just a subscription option okay well that's great and honestly you guys should go out because we need more platforms like (laughs) less flicks um well naomi thank you so much for coming um you are always welcome back here. Um, and uh, yeah, so this has been the Movie Moolah podcast. I have been and remain Ben Yenny. Uh, if you want to see more content like this, you should sign up for our, for my mailing list. You also get a lot of independent film, uh, uh, an ebook, uh, a white paper, a deck template festival template contact tracking templates and uh, as well as a monthly email digest which helps you learn and better understand distribution and financing on a sustainable pace um if you want to support other small business owners i'm also on patreon link in the description please like subscribe and hit the bell wherever you're listening to this or watching it thank you